is the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast. What would it take for you to double your profits and half your stress with your intuition? Learn how with your host, Michael Light. Welcome back to the case studies. I'm here with Rudy Schraum. She's author, speaker, and executive LinkedIn expert. And we're going to be talking about sales calls with joy and intuition. And unfortunately, Judy was not having joy with her sales calls before. They were a burden and they were really heavy. And to be honest, she was having resistance and avoiding making them. And she went from feeling they were that way to being keen to do them and joyful about doing them and doing more than her minimum amount of allocated time that she gave herself as CEO of her company to do them. And we cleared the belief that sales is manipulation, bothering and interrupting others. And she then was able to close three deals worth 20K in just the one week after clearing those blocks to sales. And also, she no longer avoids making sales calls and following up with people. We'll look at four intuitive leadership tools that help Judy free up her inner sales diva, her secret pre-call chat using the two chairs method from the book, and looking at sales as healing and other things that she does to make her sales calls joyful. So welcome, Judy. Thanks for being here, Michael. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Yes. So tell us about before we worked together, the, you would, you'd got rid of your last salesperson because she wasn't doing any good. That's and you right. took on the sales role yourself. I did. CEO of your company. I did. Yeah. I felt like that yes. I would be. And the how best. was that? Um, so on the, uh, you know, in the beginning it felt good because I was in control and it was, uh, you know, it was up to me to make things happen. And in general, I like that, but it, you know, it, it was one more thing for me to do. And it was, you know, sales is a lot of work. And, and I, I have a, a perception that I'm not a natural salesperson. So it was, uh, it, it became more burdensome over time. Mm. So you set yourself a goal for each day. I, I recall. Tell us I about did. that. I did. I, I, I felt like if I spent an hour a day, every day doing sales, that would make a big difference in my business. And, uh, and so that was my goal. And I put the time at the end of the day, I set it up at four o'clock uh, because in my experience, that's the easiest time to get executives and CEOs towards the end of the day. And, um, and I thought that would be the best time to do it. But the problem was I, I wasn't doing it. You know, I had all kinds of good excuses for why, why I didn't do it. Um, you know, in some cases there were, you know, there were client issues to deal with. In other cases, there were, you know, marketing strategy issues or personnel issues or just like the sheer volume of work that had to get done before I got out the door that night. And, it, you know, and so one day after another, I found myself not doing it. And, you know, if you don't do sales day after day after day, then you have a problem. Mm. And what was your problem because you weren't <laughs> doing sales day after day? Well, the problem was I wasn't closing deals. You know, I mean, you do, you're always going to get some deals. People are going to come to you and they're going to say, you know, I really like what you're doing. So-and-so recommended you and, you know, how much is it going to cost and et cetera, et cetera, right? So you're always going to get some deals. 
but um, but I wasn't getting the number of deals that I thought uh, should be coming through. And and in a lot of cases, I mean, I have a a long list of of uh, good prospects. You know, people I've talked to who are interested. I just wasn't following up, so I wasn't closing deals. Mm. So you sent them a proposal or gave them a pitch, but then you never followed up and right. they got busy and forgot about it. Whereas if you, yeah. you felt if you followed up, you'd have closed some of those deals. Right. And so, so part of what we're doing when we work with clients is we're taking them from not being active in social media to being active. And, mm-hmm. and so for, for most of them, that's a stretch. If they could do it on their own, if it was easy for them to do it on their own, they'd already be doing it. Right, they wouldn't need us, and and so we're helping them step outside of their comfort zone. But the downside mm. of doing that is that it it is a hurdle for them to cross to get started. And so mm. if, if I'm not there, kind of helping them cross that, you know, climb over the fence and and come on in, it's the water's fine. Then um, then they're not, they're just going to stand there at the fence and go, yeah, that looks like something I ought to be doing. And, mm. and so I wasn't helping them take that last step and be comfortable taking the step. Mm. So because you weren't following up and you weren't closing the deals, what, you know, what was this costing you in terms of dollar terms, do you think? Um, well, I, I, I don't know that I could put a dollar figure on it per se, but it, um, you know, I had people who were being underutilized. You know, people mm. who wanted more hours who were not getting them, people who, you know, um, didn't have projects to work on. And, and you know, the team is depending on me to deliver work for all of us. And mm. if I'm not delivering it, then I'm letting them down. And our and clients aren't getting the opportunity to take the next step in their business. So I'm, I'm and, letting the clients mm-hmm. down and the team down. And yourself, because you, you weren't and able to pay the salary you wanted to pay yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds painful. It is painful. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about how you went from feeling that sales was a burden um, for it to being a, a joy and you wanting to do it. Sure. Well, so you helped, right? Um, and, and we worked through some of the different tools. So, um, we, you and I were having a coaching session and you, um, you know, sales was one of the things I wanted to talk about because I felt I wasn't as connected with my pain as I am right now, but I, you know, I was unhappy with the way things were going. And so I wanted to work on it. And, and so you sat me down and you talked, talked me through these, uh, you know, what was going on and helped me focus on what some of the issues were and then gave me the tools and we worked together to, to free up blocks. So you had a belief beforehand that if you were doing sales, it was manipulation and bothering people and interrupting others. Can you tell us a bit about that belief as best you remember sure. it? Sure, sure. Well, so our clients are executives. They're busy people. They're, they're CEOs, they're entrepreneurs, there's sales executives who are trying to close deals. They have a lot of different things they're trying to do. And I had the perception that if I pick up the phone and call them, I'm interrupting them. And, and I know from our own clients, that's a big issue that 
a lot of people have when they're selling is they feel like they're um, they're making uh, they're interrupting, and so um, so that that's the way I felt. And you know, and I've been through all kinds of sales training, and uh, you know, all these uh, techniques and tools, and and a lot of it is around how you get people to say yes to things or how you, you know, get around their natural reluctance to whatever, right? And so I just had the perception that it was, you know, what I was doing was formulaic and and manipulative. And, and I don't like to think of myself that way. So, you know, historically, I sell with a consultative sale. I get on the phone with people and, you know, we talk through their problem. And then at the end, either they think I can solve the problem or they they don't, and then we part company, and everybody's you know pleased with what happened because it's a fit or it's not a fit. But in this case, I felt like it was more of a kind of an old school sales environment where I really had to use the techniques and use the process and you know do do things that weren't perhaps necessarily natural for me. Mm. And how, when you think of that, how that felt emotionally, what emotions did you feel when you thought um, about doing sales? Well, so one of them is I felt like I was being forced to do something I didn't want to do. Like I was making myself mm -hmm. do something. And, you know, mm -hmm. so like you're, you know, if you don't enjoy working out, it's like you make yourself go to the gym every day, right? Mm -hmm. um, or you um, make yourself clean the house or, you know, do, do chores or do things that you really would rather not be doing. And that's, that's what mm -hmm. it felt like. It felt like I was kind of the taskmaster with the whip saying, <laughs> work harder, work harder. And, um, and that it didn't feel good to be on either end of that, right? To be the person who was mm -hmm. doing the whipping and saying you should be working harder or being the person who was on the receiving end saying, you know, I really don't want to be doing this. <laughs> what an image. <laughs> yeah. So I think we the first tool we used was the youngest age pattern recycler. And right. so we looked at the emotions you felt, that feeling you were doing a chore, an obligation. And we also looked at what you, how you felt in your body, you know, which bits of your body were tense or hot or whatever sensations you felt. Right. And any other emotions. Right. And then we just asked your, to answer the question from the first thing that came to your mind, uh, what's the youngest age you felt the same way? And you didn't have to have a conscious memory of the age. And right. I think you came up with five years old and you were being told to do chores. Right. And we cleared that with, with TLC and light, sending light to your past five-year-old self and to your current self and all the ages in between when you've recreated the exact same pattern that you're obligated to do a chore and you're both the person. Sometimes you're the, the person telling yourself what to do. Other times other people were telling you what to do. Right. And you felt, I think you also felt kind of resigned and trapped. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, like I didn't have a choice. I had to do it but it wasn't something that I, I wanted to do. And for sure there was no joy in it. Yeah. And also I, you had some, you you felt some energy around your body. You had some colored energy around you that was around your head and shoulders and neck. Right. It felt dark. 
like um, dark brown or navy, you know, not a little dismal, you know, and, and, and heavy, you know, like there was a weight on my head and on my shoulders and uh, I was kind of dragging through that and, and kind of forcing myself to, to keep moving forward when it, you know, it was a struggle. Yeah. So I think and we made a the, copy of yourself and put you in front of you and you looked at that heavy energy around you and we zoomed in and, and, and cleared it out with light and just saw it melting away like the mist in the, when the sun comes out. Right. And then yeah, after we'd done that, hmm? I just said it disappeared very quickly. Yeah. Light will do that. <laughs> and then we checked in and said, we said, ask your own intuition, what percentage is left of this, you know, this pattern I have that's stopping me making sales. And I think at the time you said 80% was left. Yeah. And that's a good technique to use to ask your intuition, how much percent of something's left. So you know where you are in the process. Right. Yeah. It was useful. I mean, there's still more to clear, right? I still have more opportunity. You know, we've cleared yeah. a lot of it, but there's still more that, that can be done. What, what percentage less is left now? Maybe 20, 25%. Yeah. And what would it take to get 15%? <laughs> I will probably be by f below 15% by the end of the call. All right. <laughs> so what would it take is another great tool you can use in clearing any block. And if you're right. looking at the percentage of something that's left, you can not only say, what would it take to zap it down to zero, but you can say, what would it take to go a small little step sometimes right. that gives different intuitive things and clears different energy because what would it take is not only a way to get intuitive answers from our intuition and inspired actions but it's also a way to actually clear the energy because it focuses your consciousness on the pattern and on the thing you want to shift and anytime you focus consciousness on something it, it adds more light into the situation Right. If you want to hold a pattern in place, a good way to do it is to avoid it, right? And not think about it because then you're not, you're holding back the light from shining on it. Just to reverse this. If you wanted to teach someone how to block their sales, you'd be like, well, you need to have all these crazy beliefs about sales and you need to avoid doing the behavior and don't think about it. Okay. Well, I was doing that. And preferably throw a pattern of guilt on top of it to hold that all in place. <laughs> yes, guilt was there too. Yeah, because guilt is very good at holding pattern structures in place. Yeah, if you have a set of beliefs that really aren't true as an infinite being with a body and you want to hold them in place, guilt or shame are two great ways to hold a false pattern in place. Because then you don't even want to go near them. It's like covering, them, covering those beliefs in dog poop. You're like, oh, I don't even want to touch that. Yeah. So very clever of you as an infinite being who wanted to pretend that she wasn't powerful in sales. <laughs> yep. And laughter is a great way to clear things too. You know, that's another way to bring clearing into stuff. Yes. Um, so... The other thing we did when there was some percentage left, we, we not only cleared your younger self's energy, we also looked at your parents, your mother's timeline, you know, ancestor line and your father's ancestor line. Yeah. And we cleared all your, we asked our intuition how many ancestors on each side had the same issues. 
around being burdened to do an obligation. Right. Yeah, I remember Send light saying, to them. Yeah, go ahead. Well, go ahead. What do you remember me saying? I, <laughs> <laughs> I remember you saying that it was something that, that is, was very common from the Industrial Revolution on. That mm -hmm. people started um, getting away from nature and, and going into buildings and working in factories that, um, that this became much more prevalent. Yeah, people were doing jobs they didn't want to be doing and they felt they had to do them and they made themselves do them or their family made them do them and they felt didn't feel good. And then that, that generation passed it on to the, the next generation who passed it on to you. Right. How many generations it was. Patterns can be passed on from your own childhood into your own future, but also parents can pass patterns on to children and often do. So... Just like they pass on other beliefs, political beliefs or religious beliefs or, you know, how you're supposed to eat or all kinds of things. So it's quite entertaining. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we sent, we, we sent light to those ancestor lines. We also went into any past lives you had the same issue, sent light there. And any other dimensions you're holding this pattern. It's really, you know, time is a bit of an illusion. I know it doesn't seem like it when we're living in time, but from a higher dimensional perspective, you know, all the times are the same. So really all those younger ages of yourself and all the ancestor lines and past lives are just different dimensional aspects of the, of the whole of Judy. So they're yeah. just different ways to get at those dimensions. And clearing it all worked very, very well. So what percentage is left now? I don't know, maybe 13%. Cool. What would it take to get it to 5%? Ah, I don't know. <laughs> what would it take to know? What would it take to not matter whether you know, knew or not? <laughs> With your conscious mind. Um... Yeah. If you imagine this, <laughs> if you imagine this pattern in front of you, what do you notice? Uh, looks like cobblestones. Okay, what would it take to let the cobblestones go? Um. Well, I don't. I don't even know what's holding them up. I guess whatever is underneath them has to go away too. Well, let's send light to whatever's beneath them and dissolve it away. Okay. Let's see the cobblestones falling away. And let's fill in the gaps you have in your body from letting this pattern go with love and light and confidence. Okay. <laughs> Who's a sales role model you admire? Um, John Asher, I guess. I think he's... Uh, okay. He's a 
So could you take the aspect of John Asher that you admire and pull that energy into you so you can be the salesperson you want to be? Yes. And you could add that aspect of, of him onto your spiritual advisory board if you wanted to. So you okay. could check in with him anytime you had a sales problem and you needed to talk to someone. Okay. <laughs> and any other living dead or imaginary people who you think could help you. You could have a special sales subcommittee in your sales advisory board. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. So I know you use one of the intuitive leadership tools, the two chairs method before you make a call. Tell us about your experience using that. Uh, so that's actually been really useful for me. I, um, what I do is before I have a meeting with somebody, I imagine that I'm sitting in a chair on a stage and they're sitting um, on a chair across from me. And um, if there are going to be multiple people in the room or um, issues that are, are going to come up, everybody gets their own chair. And then um, I connect uh, all of the hearts uh, together in a circle. And sometimes I crisscross them across the circle as well. And then I, um, I talk about, you know, whatever we're going to talk about in the meeting. And I ask them what they think. and um, you know, what they're concerned about and what they, you know, how I can help and what they'd like to have from me. And, um, you know, if depending on what it is, I might ask about price or, um, you know, and, and I get really good information back. And, it, you know, it's not necessarily the same thing that happens on the sales call, you know, so you know, I might get uh, something from them where they say, yeah, I really want to be part of that. But then we get on the call and, and they don't. But but far more often what they tell me on the sales call, uh, what they tell me in the like the mental pre-call is um, is actually very, very useful on the call. And uh, what kind they, of things do you get from your intuition that they tell you? Um, so sometimes it'll be why they're doing it or, mm -hmm. um, you know, how much they want to spend or how serious they are or what their, what their intention is for the, you know, for the call. Sometimes they're doing it because not because they want to, but because they feel obliged to. And, um, you know, and I can also talk to them about, you know, are you serious? You know, and, and if they're not, it usually comes through pretty loud and clear. You know, do they, do, you know, is this going to be a good fit for both of us? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, is this something we can really help you with? Or, you know, is there something else going on? Right. And so it, uh, it gives me some good insights that I can use to take into the call. And, um, 
you know, usually if, if what I get is feedback from the early meeting that uh, they're not really interested, uh, sometimes the call gets canceled or uh, it just ends up being a really, really short call. And well, that um, saves you a lot of time. It does. It does. Um, and you feel good about it when the call gets cancelled, whereas before, if you hadn't had that inside intuitive information, you might have felt bad about it. Right. I would have wondered what happened. But um, because we had the call and, and, you know, we had the conversation and I could tell they weren't really, um, you know, ready for what for whatever we were talking about. It, it wasn't a fit for them. I'm fine to have it go away. Right. Mm hmm. I mean, it almost always works out just fine, whatever, whatever it is, whether we get the deal or whether we don't get the deal, you know, because there are plenty of deals you don't want, you know, where mm -hmm. the person, they're not going to be a good client or mm -hmm. where they're going to be, you're going to have trouble with them paying the bills or, you know, where what they want is, isn't really what you do. And, and so if you just get that stuff out of the way up front, and then you're able to focus in on the people who do want what you do and who are motivated and, and going to do the work and who, who will be a pleasure to work with, then, you know, I mean, that's a win-win. You know, they're yeah. going to get what they need and you're going to have a good client. So that sounds a really useful method from the book, uh, using it is. two chairs or multiple chairs to read intuitive information. And in your case, you're actually talking with the, the spirit of the person. Yeah. And it not only saves you time or makes for an easier sales call, it saves them time. They could have wasted time on a sales call they didn't really want to have. Yes, that's true. I mean, I worry more about me losing time, but, <laughs> but it's good that everybody wins. Yeah. So let's look at an alternative perspective on healing, which is regarding sales as healing. Yeah, you, you said that earlier, and I had never thought of it like that before. Um, but you're absolutely right. So uh, when you, you know, when people are thinking about buying a product or a service, they're trying to solve a problem, almost always, right? They're, something's going on in their, in their work or in their personal life, and they want to change it. And, and so what they're trying to do is, is figure out what's the best way to make the change. And, and you know, the, there's always the question, is what you do the best way for them to do this? Is it going to deliver the results they want? Is it going to be something that requires the amount of effort and resources they can invest in it? And is the, you know, is the price point what they're comfortable spending? And, and, you know, is the volume of results appropriate for what they need? And, and so when you can, can kind of understand where they're coming from and, um, and then, you know, it's, it's kind of like being a doctor, right? So they have this problem, and then you have your tools, whatever they are. Can you heal that problem with what you have to work with? And, um, and sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't, right? Um, but, but I hadn't thought of it that way before. You know, I always think of it as problem solving, but, uh, but healing really is problem solving. And so 
Uh, yeah, so that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah, so your biz, the, our businesses are helping other businesses or individuals heal their business, you know, make their business do something better or helping mm-hmm. if it's B2C, helping their, the, you know, the individuals do something better. But, and also the activity of sales is helping someone go from a state of confusion and not sure, sure how to deal with the problem. And maybe they've been avoiding the problem and they aren't really aware of the true consequences of not solving this issue. Right. Um, to getting clarity on what their problem is, what the consequences are, and clarity about what different options for dealing with it are, and coming to a decision, yes or no, right. rather than putting it off yet again to it. That sounds really healing of someone who was confused and had lack of clarity right. into someone who's made a decision and has a clear way forward. Yeah, so the, I think that's a great way not, to look. Yeah. So not only is the the work the business we run healing, but also the being a salesperson is a high level healer, and it's taking someone who's often in a state of fear as well. Well, you it know. depends on how bad the problem is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it it's pretty powerful. So where after you you know we worked on this and you cleared the blocks you had to sales. You know, what What happened in the week afterwards? Well, so the next day, I worked on sales pretty much all day. I mean, wow. I, I know, I know. Uh, you know, I had other things that I was doing, but I kept breaking away from those things to follow up with people and, you know, check in and, you know. Uh, so it was, uh, it, it was very freeing, you know, mm. and I think it was just, there was a lot of pent up, of me wanting to do sales, but, but this stuff was all getting in my way. And then once mm. it got freed, I felt free to, to spend my time doing sales. So how many deals did you close in that week? Three. And what, what will they be worth to you in the next year? Uh, probably about 20,000. So that's pretty good for a half hour of energy clearing. <laughs> Very good for a half hour of energy clearing. And, you know, but that's not the only, that's not the only thing that happened is, um, you know, I also uh, initiated a couple of projects with one of the people who's working for me that uh, have uh, brought me um, probably a hundred new internet, uh, sorry, LinkedIn connections in the past week. And oh. Uh, yeah, and have generated even more conversations. So those that didn't close deals, but it, they started conversations, which is mm-hmm. you know the beginning of the sales process, right? So I was starting new deals and I was closing deals. So the whole thing was was improving. Mm. And what happened to that belief you had that you had to make sales calls at four o'clock and you couldn't do sales activities or send emails at other times of day? Um, well, so what I was doing, it wasn't really a belief that I couldn't do it, but it was a belief that I should save sales for the hour allocated to sales and that the, that was the hour allocated. And, um, uh, so your suggestion was to try experiment with some different times of day and see what happened because, you know, the end of the day is, is a period of low energy for me. Typically I, I'm, I'm, I, my best energy is in the morning, and so I try to do creative things in the morning, and uh, and then I do meetings, 
And then I do administrative stuff at the end of the day. And so I was putting sales where I, I have the lowest energy. And, mm -hmm. um, and during the type of the work, I mean, I love talking to, to clients and prospective clients. I really I en enjoy the conversations. They tend to be fascinating people. And, it, you know, and that gives me energy. But I was, I was pushing that all off into a period when I didn't have energy. And so, so what I did was I started moving sales around. And so um, I started putting it uh, earlier in the day because I have this blocked on my calendar, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, just kind of the way I do things, if it's on my calendar, I do it. And so I have time blocked out for creative work. I have time blocked out, you know, for all kinds of different things. And, um, so it, it's actually, it's, it's been a good idea to move it earlier in the day because I think my energy around sales is typically really good in the, in the like late morning, early afternoon. And, um, and so that's been working. And then the other thing is that I found uh, to a certain extent that I was wrong in, in my belief that the end of the day is the best time to call people. And what mm -hmm. I found is if I follow my intuition and just pick up the phone and talk to somebody when I'm feeling moved to do that, that uh, it tends to be a good time to have a conversation. And so, you know, if I could be in the middle of doing something else, but if I get the impulse to send somebody an email or pick up the phone, then uh, I tend to have good results. So, uh, that's so, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, you can have you can instead of setting a rigid time, you can your intuition can say now's a good time to reach Bob or wait a minute, right. wait until this afternoon to reach Jane or whatever. Yep. Or send them an email. And of course there are also tools like Boomerang that let you compose emails at one time and send them at another time. So Right, there are. I haven't experimented with that yet. But the uh, the other thing I I have done that was that was your idea is um, I have a list of the people who, um, who I want to make sure I follow up with on my desk here. And what I'll do is I like run my finger down it or run my eye down it and, and you know, where it's sticky, I, I follow up with that person. And, and how's and that so, been working? Um, it's been good. It's been good. So it's, um, it's it's a good way to it's a good way to do it. Cool. So one of the what would it takes we we asked was what would it take to make your sales time joyful? Yes. So I I think one of the things you said really had an impact on me, which is that your goal is not trying to push somebody into doing something. It's trying to find out if this is going to solve their problem. If what we can do is going to mm -hmm. solve the problem for them. And yeah. um, so when I look at it like that, then I'm, I'm much happier about doing it, right? Because, you know, for some people it is going to be a fit and for some people it just isn't. And, uh, you know, yeah. my goal is not to turn one of those people into the other, but my goal is to figure out whether it's a good fit. And, um, and if I believe it's a good fit, generally speaking, that reflects in the way the client feels about it as well. So, yeah. 
And then do you, when you cre- create your day um, using your intuition and energy tools in the morning, how do you work with your sales calls then? Uh, so some of my day is blocked out because I'll already have meetings scheduled. And, um, and then what I do is I typically look at the open blocks and then think about what I want to put into those spaces. And uh, sometimes that would be, um, you know, people I want to follow up with. And other times it's, you know, um, I'm going to do a proposal there or, you know, whatever it might be. So, and do you send energy to those future times and or use what would it take? Or So those is, you could use what would it take to have that particular block of time go the way I want it, to be easy, graceful, successful, fun, profitable, whatever characteristics okay. you want. And you also can send, see light coming from above and below to that, to yourself doing that task and just see it go easily. Okay. I will try that. Yeah. Um, also the, another thing I do in sales is I TLC, I connect to the light, to the light connect, um, to my, myself. And I also TLC the, the people I'm calling and mm-hmm. I see our hearts connected together with a cord of light. And I find doing that during sales calls helps them go more smoothly. So. I have actually done that once or twice during a call cause I, re- I forgot to do it before and it does yeah. make it go more smoothly. Yeah. Cool. So anything else you want to share about your sales and intuition and joy experiment? No, I mean, just that anybody who's uh, else who's dealing with sales blocks should spend some time with you. (laughs) Well, they're they're spending it right now watching this video. (laughs) (laughs) So great. Well, thanks so much, Judy. Uh, really appreciate you being on the call. If people wanted to find you, how would they do that? Uh, so our website is uh, proresource.com and you can reach me at Judy, J-U-D-Y, at proresource.com. Or f- people can find you on LinkedIn, I'm sure, because you've got an amazing profile there that's probably optimized up the gills. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah, just judge. LinkedIn.com slash in slash Judy Schramm. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you. Get strategies and show notes at intuitiveleadershipmastery.com. What would it take to see you here next time on the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast?